Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Recovery Talk. So today I wanted to talk about eating induced hunger or why do I get more hungry the more I eat? Shouldn't it be the other way around? Oh my god, am I broken? Am I addicted to food? This proves that I'm addicted to food because this is not normal. So that means that I just need to restrict and insert other eating disorder fear and conspiracy. So eating-induced hunger essentially refers to, I mean, the term is quite self-explanatory, but essentially refers to feeling more hungry as you are eating and actually finding that if you're not eating, then it's almost like it becomes easier not to eat. Essentially a very paradoxical reaction to eating or not eating, which is very common with people with eating disorders. Of course, not everyone with an eating disorder experienced this. And also some people may not experience for a while and then suddenly they notice it in recovery. So please, if you are listening to this and you're just like, this is not the case for me, don't think that this means that you don't have an eating disorder or you're doing something wrong. You know, it it is just everyone is different. So eating induced hunger is common, but it doesn't affect absolutely everyone. So I hear from clients over and over and over that when they are actively restricting, it's almost like it turns down hunger in a way, right? Then as they start eating, that actually, instead of making them more satisfied, it kind of just makes them more hungry. This, of course, can, with the eating disorder mindset, very quickly become twisted to mean This just shows that I can't control myself around food, that restriction is the right thing to do because restriction kind of keeps me in check in terms of eating, it keeps me in control. And it can just really reinforce these ideas that you're broken, that your hunger cues are broken forever, that therefore you need your eating disorder and restriction. So I just wanted to let you know, first of all, that this is normal and you are not broken. Your hunger is not broken for you experiencing this. Actually, what you're experiencing is a very common response to starvation. So we don't know exactly why this happens. We have some indicators, we have some, you know, we we know a little bit, like we can kind of understand it a little bit, but there is no straightforward answer as to exactly what is happening. Or maybe there is, but I just hasn't come across it yet. So if you do know, send over, drop me an email. I would love to read. But what we do know is that some people with eating disorders actually end up getting a reward or in a sense of being calmed by restriction, right? So essentially what is for some people experienced as a very unpleasant experience, people with eating disorders, some people with eating disorders, especially more like restrictive type eating disorders, predominant restricted type eating disorders, there is a sense of reward for that restriction. The paradox is of course, that there also tends to be the reward for the opposite for some people, right? So for example, you get rewarded for restriction and then you may also get rewarded for quote unquote binge eating, right? which can really reinforce this either or cycle. Those of you who know me and my work and my approach knows that I don't like to pathologize binging in recovery. I just see it as a normal part of reaction to undernourishment that you kind of just have to go through and that's okay. Instead, we should pathologize the restriction. So when you are restricting yourself, right? especially maybe more in the earliest stages, your body will try and get you to eat. It will send out signals, will make you hungry. 
but you're ignoring those signals, right? So your body will keep sending out these signals, but you're not responding, right? You're just ignoring it. And it's almost like the body is giving up a bit, right? It knows that you're, you're going to ignore. You're going to ignore it anyway. So why bother? And therefore instead, hey, let's just, instead of spending a lot of time and energy in sending out specific hunger signals like that rumbling stomach, etc., etc. Even though, again, some people do experience it. So please don't get me wrong that thinking that this is just how it is, right? I definitely had times during my eating disorder where I had still had a rumbling stomach and was hungry. But what I'm saying is it is normal for some people that the hunger gets yotted down a little bit, right? Throughout restriction. And instead, it may manifest as food obsession, mental hunger, and of course, these periods of binging and extreme hunger kind of in response, right? So yeah, almost like the body has given up a bit on sending you the hunger signals because you're going to ignore it anyways, right? And then when you start eating, the body and brain is like, oh, oh, yes, finally, food. And then it's like, we need more of this. We need more of this, right? And then make you more hungry in response to eating because it's finally getting what it wants and it wants you to keep eating because there is that detection of the famine because essentially that's what's going on in your body and brain, right? Your body and brain doesn't understand exactly what an eating disorder is. It just detects that you are in a food scarce environment. You Food is a scarce resource, right? Now it's detecting, oh, it's available. We need more of this, especially if you have a habit of, you know, eating and then restricting. Maybe you have a period of, maybe you have a binge and then you're engaging in restrictive behaviors or compensatory behaviors in response. The body knows that like, this is my one chance to eat. This is my one chance to get as much energy as possible. So it really, really makes sense as to why your body would react to eating with more hunger when it's detecting that food is a scarce resource because it just wants as much as it can because it wants to prepare itself for the next period of famine. And equally with this same way of thinking, it kind of makes sense as to why your body will kind of turn down hunger a little bit, right? Even though you still are hungry, just it manifests in a different way. That food obsession, constantly thinking about food that a lot of people have, that is a form of mental hunger. It's just that hunger doesn't necessarily stop existing. It just starts manifesting differently. So you may find it very natural to maybe turn down a cake if you're with a friend who's offering, hey, do you want some cake? You turn it down quite easily. But if you are in the middle, maybe you're alone and you're in a quote-unquote binge, then you might find that you can eat cake and cake and cake and cake, right? It's like... You're in one situation where declining food is very easy and another situation where it's like you're on autopilot and you have no chance of declining it. When working with people with eating disorders, I tend to identify eating eating induced hunger as a sign that the person is probably not eating enough, probably kind of still engaging in some restrictive behaviors, maybe aren't at the set point. Still, there is work to be done, right? Because people without eating disorders will not tend to experience that eating makes them more hungry and not eating makes them less hungry, right? That in itself is a very, that's a very eating disordered way. This is not to say that you can't at any time see similar things in people that are eating disorders. For example, there might be someone who's super stressed working all day and they just have completely ignored their body's needs. And then they finally like sit down and have a bite and then they realize, oh, I didn't realize how hungry I was until now, right? So some degree of it may be normal, although it's of course not ideal. I'm by no means saying that, oh yeah, it's completely fine to just not eat the whole day or barely eat today because you're stressed or working, right? That's just, that's not what I'm saying, right? But I am saying that it is a response to an energetic deficit. And 
the re correct response is you need to correct energetic deficit. You need to show your body and brain that food is an abundant resource, right? By doing so, you're telling your body like, hey, you can trust me. You can trust me that there's going to be food available at regular intervals. And then what will happen is that your body and brain will sink its hunger accordingly. My body and brain knows that food is going to come in at regular intervals. Therefore, it detects that it is safe to, you know, send out hunger signals. Hey, you need food. I go and I eat. And then afterwards, give me fullness because it knows that food is going to be available again very soon. It doesn't need to be like, oh, this is our one chance to eat. The trap that some people fall into here when experiencing this is that instead of really focusing on targeting the restriction heads on, they instead go and target the quote unquote binging. They're thinking, okay, well, ah, I need to stop this. I need to stop. I need to control myself around food, right? And then wondering why that doesn't work. Why does the so-called binging just get worse and worse and worse, right? At the end of the day, the restriction is the underlying problem here. The binging is a response to that restriction. Therefore, the key has to be food abundance. You can't restrict your way out of this cycle. And it's so important also, like if you are someone who's in recovery and you're experiencing this, just know that you are normal. This is normal. This is not how hunger and fullness is going to feel like forever. It is just a phase that you have to go through. And it's so important that you go through it and actually feed your body what it needs. And this also includes those foods that you've been banning yourself from. Like, yeah, physically you can restore the energetic deficit through only eating fear food, no, safe foods. But the fear foods are also so important because if you don't give your yourself those foods that you're avoiding, chances are you're still going to have similar reactions around them where you may notice that you, if you're around chocolate, you're just like, oh my God, I, I just need to eat all of the chocolate that I have in the fridge to get rid of it because this is my one chance to eat it, right? Isn't it so much better to be able to just be around the food and just having it whenever you want to in the amounts you want to. So be mindful that this, yes, it has to do with restriction of just energy, but also types of food, right? The foods that you feel like you cannot control yourself around are probably the food that you need more of and you need to implement it more throughout the day. That takes it off the pedestal immediately. I hear this so many times from people who have a specific food that they just feel like they can't control themselves around that specific food and they think the solution is just to avoid it, right? But that will just give that food more power and control and chances are also whenever you are around that food, because at one point you will be, you will just act really strange around that food, either completely avoiding it or having that lost supper mentality, right? The confusing part is to get out of this lost supper mentality, you kind of have to go through it. And that means that you're probably going to have a time where you're feeling quite like the pendulum is going in the other direction for some time, where you're just eating and eating and eating, especially the foods you've been banning yourself from, right? It is okay. It is normal. It will pass. I remember myself when I was in recovery and also before I started my recovery, because I was diagnosed with anorexia binge purge subtype. Essentially, I just think I had a mix of anorexia and bulimia, to be completely honest. The diagnoses are really confusing and it's really silly kind of how they diagnose. Because overall, I tend to just see it all as an umbrella of restrictive type eating disorders, which can mean bulimia, anorexia, could mean 
unspecified eating disorders, disordered eating, even certain types of binge eating disorder can also fall under this umbrella. I made an episode previously on binge eating disorder uh, with Sarah Francis Young, and I've also written an article over at Substack, letsrecover.substack.com. And that article is called, Is Binge Eating Disorder a Restrictive Eating Disorder? Essentially, my point is, I see more as eating disorder as an umbrella of different disorders that are rooted in restriction, maintaining the symptoms. For some people, this leads to a pattern of binging and purging. For other people, it leads to exclusive restriction. For other people, it's constant overexercise. And also for a lot of people, it's just a mix of a lot of different things, sometimes different faces, right? Anyways, that was a bit of a side note. What I was gonna say is that when I myself was going through an eating disorder, I had eating-induced hunger times a thousand. When I was in my restrictive phases, right, I had no issue restricting. Like for me, that felt, it just felt kind of natural to me, right? That was not an issue. It was like, that was just my norm, right? But once I had a so-called binge, because I had this binge purge cycles, it was like I was on autopilot. I could not stop eating. And eating made me hungry. If my mom was offering me, oh, do you, do you want some pasta when I was in a restrictive state, restrictive mode? It would be so easy for me to say no, right? If I was having a binge, I would eat pasta upon pasta upon pasta, right? I would eat so much of it without any sense of fullness. Fullness for me was whenever I physically could not fit anything more inside my stomach. And this is another thing that people with eating disorders often struggle a bit with, this idea of like, what is fullness, right? And they think that fullness is whenever you can't fit more in your stomach, which reinforce the idea that they should stuff their stomach with low energy foods, because if you're eating one kilo of broccoli, you're going to physically feel stuffed, right? So that's the feeling that they're basically chasing when they're eating in some ways. It's a bit of a myth that people with eating disorders always want to have their stomach feel empty, like some do, but a lot of times people instead want to just basically fill up on low energy foods instead. But the thing is, that is not really fullness. That is just having a stuffed stomach, right? Fullness is a sense of satisfaction and you're going to have more fullness from having a creamy pasta dish rather than, you know, a bowl of vegetables. So I just want to remind you that as well. I know that can be confusing if you're not experiencing fullness if that is something that's kind of like new to you this just seems like i'm kind of intellectualizing and explaining things that maybe you don't yet understand but try and think back to before your eating disorder and how fullness felt then this does not mean that there's anything wrong when you are in recovery with eating to the point where you are stuffed that isn't normal and i think the more you try and avoid it the worse right you kind of just have to accept that it will happen And also, even as a recovered person, eating to the point where your stomach feels really uncomfortably full and stretched, it's just part of life, right? But what I am trying to say is that fullness and level of stretchness in your stomach are not necessarily the same. Fullness instead is a sense of satisfaction, a sense of, I'm done eating now, right? And it's important to say this because if you don't know this, you may think that you must there, that justifies eating super high volume, low energy foods, because if not, oh, I don't get full. But once you are recovered, you will realize that fullness is something very different. Fullness is a sense of, I, I, I'm good now, I'm satisfied. I, I don't want more. It's not necessarily an intellectual thing of I shouldn't eat more. It's more a sense of, this is nice. It's kind of like when you're waking up from a really good night's sleep, you don't necessarily feel like going back to bed. You're just like, 
I've had a good night's sleep. I'm refreshed and ready to start my day. That is the feeling. So implementing more energy-dense foods, rich foods, the foods that you really crave is actually so much more helpful rather than filling up on low energy, high volume foods because you think that that is going to give you that fullness. It's not, it's going to make you maybe make you feel physically like your stomach is not empty anymore, but it's not going to give you that satisfaction. And that satisfaction is more what fullness is. And it's very, very common in recovery not to feel that at all. There also are people in recovery experience early fullness, right? And early satisfaction to a point where they just have a little bit and they don't want anymore. This is completely normal as well. And sometimes people have a period of this and then they have a period of extreme hunger. I, everything here, it's so many, it can manifest in so many different ways, right? So I just want to let you know this, that if you are someone who's going through recovery and you are actually feeling really, really full, this is also something to be aware of, right? This does not mean that you should just intuitively restrict your way through recovery because it's another trap where people are experiencing early fullness, whether it's physical fullness or mental fullness or both. And they think, oh, intuitive eating, that means that I should just stop eating when I feel full, even though it's not really giving you that intake that you need for recovery. If this is you, I would recommend the podcast episode I've done titled Not Hungry, where I talk about exactly this. And it's so interesting to see how this, these experiences from extreme hunger to extreme fullness can happen in the same person throughout a short time span. And also sometimes you may not even know which one is you. You may feel so full, but also you can't stop thinking about food, right? So it really can manifest in different ways. No matter what, the solution is you need to correct the energetic deficit. You need to eat. You need to allow yourself the foods that you've been banning yourself from. Because you cannot fix what is triggered by restriction and worsened by restriction. It's like throwing gasoline on a bonfire. It is not going to help. And I know this can be difficult because there's so many misconceptions about extreme hunger and also about how hunger and appetite works in people with eating disorder, how different it may work from someone without an eating disorder. I often hear people just, they go to treatment professionals, maybe they go to a dietitian. The dietitian is like, oh, this is gonna be so nice. You're gonna eat and then you're gonna feel so much full and so much satisfied, get so much energy. And it's like, yeah, for some people with eating disorder, that's exactly what happens. Other people may notice that the opposite happens, right? They eat more and they get more hungry. And even they may notice that they get less energy. So eating induced fatigue, eating induced tiredness, which is something I want to make an episode about in the future. It's a very interesting phenomenon where people notice that eating more actually makes them more tired. And they're a bit like, oh, everyone told me eating, you give, you get so much energy from it, right? And some people do. Some people do, absolutely. But other people experience the opposite, which is interesting phenomena I'll discuss more in the future. So to conclude, it is completely normal if you have an eating disorder or you are an eating disorder recovery, it's completely normal to experience eating-induced hunger. It is temporary as long as you don't engage in behaviors that drag it out. Because if you are engaging in restrictive compensatory behaviors, you're signalizing to your body and brain that, hey, yes, you should give me this keep doing this eating-induced hunger signals, because whenever you're eating, that's your one chance to really eat, right? So by engaging in restricted compensatory behaviors, you're reinforcing basically the so-called binging. Instead, you have to eat your way through it. You just have to let the pendulum swing in the other direction for a while. And you will eventually notice that it does normalize with time. 
it is so interesting when I work with clients who, especially if they're going through extreme hunger and they're like, oh my God, it's never going to end. I'm broken forever. All of those typical fears that people have. And then they will come to a session and they'll be like, I actually noticed that I had breakfast and I was like kind of satisfied. And then I got hungry for some lunch. I had some lunch and then I was satisfied. And I was like, what is this? This is, this is so strange. This is like, I think my hunger fullness cues are coming back. But the thing is they never get that back from restricting, right? You can't get that back from restricting. If you're restricting yourself because you're fearing and avoiding your hunger, it's not gonna normalize because you're not telling your body and brain that food is an abundant resource. Instead, let yourself eat foods that actually satisfy you mentally and physically. This does not mean trying to just fill up on low energy foods. Instead, have the foods that you really, really crave probably that is the foods that you've been banning yourself from. Okay, guys, I would love to know if you have ever experienced eating-induced hunger. Uh, if you're listening on Spotify, I'll add a little Q&A at the end so you can answer us a little, a little poll. In the last poll I did, it was about, you know, the fear of doing recovery wrong, and the vast majority had experienced this fear. So it's always interesting to see how so many people with eating disorders all over the world, all kinds of different people, will have such similar fears. Because the eating disorder, even though it is different from everyone, right? Different people have different symptoms. And also an eating disorder can manifest very differently throughout life, right? You may go through a phase where you're having your eating disorder manifesting very much as orthorexia, and then maybe it goes into anorexia, and then it's bulimia, and maybe it is overlaps. Maybe you have one period where that's a big fear, and then another time another thing is a big fear. I do understand it can really, really manifest differently. But it's interesting to see how much of the underlying fears and anxieties are so similar from person to person. Very, very fascinating. So I also wanted to answer a listener question. This one is from Substack and I'm paraphrasing a bit, but the individual was essentially asking about the concept or the experience of feeling really obsessed about what other people are eating and also feeling really concerned about the people around you accidentally starving themselves and not getting enough. The individual that was asking is a mother that would notice that she was very concerned about her daughter's intake. Like, is my daughter accidentally restricting? Even though there was not necessarily any like very strong indicator that the daughter was like, oh yeah, I'm going to restrict, right? And I find this phenomenon so interesting. I might dedicate a whole episode to it in the future, or maybe I will do a bonus episode over at Substack about it. For those of you who don't know, I do bonus episodes on, on Substack or... Yeah, where I talk about some more niche things at times, right? I haven't really found exact studies that explains exactly why this is happening. This phenomena of being really like obsessed and concerned about what other people are eating and if they are accidentally starving themselves. But it is very, very normal. I had it myself as well. I also have a theory about why it's happening. So hear me out. So those of you who listen to this podcast may know that I'm quite interested in evolutionary psychology, especially in the context of eating disorders. I really like the adapted to flea famine hypothesis. And if you haven't heard of that, I definitely recommend you check out the episode I did on the adapted to flea famine hypothesis, because it is a hypothesis that explains how an eating disorder would make sense from an evolutionary point of view. Equally, I think the phenomena of being concerned about 
the people around you, especially family members, and concern about them accidentally or <laughs> intentionally or suspecting them of having an eating disorder and restricting themselves, I think it makes a lot of sense evolutionary. So hear me out. So imagine many, many, many years ago, you're living out in, in a pack or in a tribe and there was food scarcity, right? It really would make sense from an evolutionary point of view that you would want to look after your own pack, right? Maybe especially your children or maybe siblings. I had this very strongly with my younger brothers. It really would make sense that you would want to look after them and make sure that they are getting enough food. And because basically your body and brain is detecting there is a famine, right? It turns on something in your head, something very, very primal. It's basically detecting you are in a food scarce environment. This is a danger. So it would make complete sense from an evolutionary point of view that you are therefore thinking other people around you in your pack are going through famine as well, right? It would be very unlikely long, long time ago that if one person was going through famine that the other people weren't as well, right? It, that wouldn't really make sense. So I believe it has to do with basically us, that, that like primal pack animal <laughs> part of our brain detecting that we are in famine and therefore going into protection mode for the pack. I remember I had this so extremely that I even started getting concerned if my dog was getting an eating disorder or starving. I remember wanting to cook high energy meals for my family, especially my brothers. And if they didn't finish it, I would get really pissed off and I get really suspicious, wondering if maybe they were secretly starving themselves, right? I believe this is just my brain being so starved and in such an alarm, alarm mode that it was detecting again detecting famine thinking my my pack is impacted as well and desperately wanting to survive them to ensure the survival of the pack right so of course it would make sense that i would look after them look one look over the shoulder of what they're eating are they getting enough and feel weird if they aren't eating what i'm, what I'm giving them right so i cannot scientifically prove any of this i just think this is just my hypothesis at least right and i think it goes with the lo i think it goes with the evolutionary psychology 100 percent. i do also think there are other elements that can maybe fuel this first of all people with eating disorders can often be really good at projecting right so essentially instead of identifying your problems within yourself you are identifying the problems in other people right it's that thing of we are very quick to point out our own flaws in other people it's like the person who's cheating is probably going to accuse their partner of cheating, right? So I definitely think that could also play in. I also sometimes see it being maybe related to concern because if you're living with an eating disorder, you know that that is an absolutely miserable experience. And of course, you want to protect the people you love from ever falling down that rabbit hole, right? So I think there's so much here that is going on, right? Overall, what I do want to say, if you are experiencing this, this is probably a sign that you are in, you know, <laughs> an eating disordered state and that you are maybe in a famine state, right? And what I experienced myself is that as I increased my intake, as I reached my set point, this obsession with what other people around me and my family were eating, it went away. I completely lost interest for making food for my brothers. <laughs> completely uninteresting. What's that for me? It was solely a result of the eating disorder, right? I see this a lot where people, when they're starved, they become like the, the master chef of the family. They start like baking for their whole family all the time and don't really eat the thing themselves. And then they actually start recovering and they're like, this is not interesting to me anymore, right? 
So the best thing I would say is to focus instead of, instead of just thinking about like, why is this happening? Why is this happening? Instead, focus on what is the solution to this, right? We may have some theories as to why this is happening and it makes a lot of sense, but also what is the actual solution to this, right? Solution would be recovery, more food, reaching your set point, resting, rewiring, all of these absolutely crucial things is the antidote. Because as much as your family members may enjoy you cooking them high energy meals, (laughs) it still is not really something that helps relationships in the family, right? I remember at times would even kind of scare, especially my youngest brother. Uh, I would almost scare him into thinking he was like undernourished. I'd be like, oh my God, you're going to starve to death if you don't eat this, right? It scared him. It's not a recipe for good family relationships. It creates a lot of tension. I've never heard someone say, oh, I miss the person my family member was when they were in the depths of their eating disorder. No one said that ever. So for the sake of yourself and the sake of everyone in your family, work on recovery. Okay, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode and I will see you guys next week. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please leave a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or iTunes or wherever you may be listening to podcasts or share with a friend or someone who maybe just needs to hear this. Thank you for listening and have a great week.